Hello, you're listening to Spirit Life Teachings with T. Jason Price, founder of Power for Freedom Ministries. Check out full sermons, encouraging words, and more on our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and website, all linked in our show notes. Now, here's T. Jason Price. So, T. Jason Price, Power for Freedom Ministries, Spirit Life, your name is not Holy Spirit. That's what tonight's going to be about, starting in John chapter 16. So let's pray and get right into this. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would open our spiritual ears and our eyes, that you would just move any obstacles in our heart. Lord, we really want to grow. We want to mature in you. We want to develop our inner man, our spirit man inside, deep in the places, man, that we've hidden. We want to come alive and come out and stir that gift of God. And so we just ask tonight, Father, that you just put fuel and and energy and everything we need into the deposits in our life that we may be able to fulfill the call that's on our life for you that we can be in the kingdom building not just spectators but kingdom building we thank you father in jesus name amen 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 all right so we're hoping to get to a point with spirit life that i'll be able to take some comments while we're doing it uh, right now uh, i don't have that ability and to be honest with you i'm not sure i can handle all that tech stuff so uh, if you have a comment or something, just go ahead and put it right there in the comments where you're watching from. And if you have any uh, things you'd like to ask, may not get to you tonight, but we'll try to get back to you. And so we just want to encourage you. You can always reach out to the ministry. Amen. All right. So John chapter 16, verse five, we're going to start in verse five. But now I'm going to him. This is Jesus talking who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if you not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict, now listen, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness because I go to Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you in all truth. And he will not speak of his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take a mine and will disclose to you all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he takes a mine and will disclose it to you. Now I read that nice and slow, because I really want you to grab... The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He convicts the world of sin because they do not believe in God. So if you ever want to know what really makes someone get anger or aggravated with you, maybe anger is a strong word, but I've seen people get anger at other believers uh, because it's convicting. It's not you that are convicting them. It's the spirit in you, the Holy Spirit, just it convicts the world of sin. It says, hey, you need a savior. We need to repent. It's more than putting your hand in the air and saying, I accept Jesus. We need to repent. We need to change our ways be born again. You know the process. If not, get a hold of this. We'll help you through that. But uh, so we know that the Holy Spirit convicts. Now we know Satan condemns and condemning is different than conviction. Conviction grows you towards God. Condemnation grows you away from God. So if what the Lord's doing in your life, you believe is God, but it's taking you away from God, it's not God. Conviction will lead you towards God. Condemnation will lead you away from God. So we always want to remember in our heart of hearts when we're going through something, am I being convicted? Am I being pressed towards the Lord? Or am I being condemned? Because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 
In other words, God matures us and grows us as we can handle it. He doesn't drown us in truth. He's not going to give a college kind of level understanding to an elementary, uh, you know, beginner in what we're doing in the kingdom, right? So he's going to understand where you're at. He uses wisdom. And so some of you say, well, uh, I don't know why so-and-so is allowed to do this or that, and I'm not. Well, it's we're all different levels and different places with God. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, is that our judge, our ruler, right, is the Holy Spirit. Your name, my name, is not Holy Spirit. The reason why I'm calling this that is because too many of us are living the do's and don'ts based on what people say. Now, there is some truth, and we can't get into all of it, but there is some truth that we need to judge actions and fruits of those who call themselves Christians. We don't want to have false teachers and false prophets, and you can have false pastors and evangelists, and you can have false teachers, and, you know, I mean, it's not just false prophets or, or false teachers. We can have false anything. We do need to make sure we discern that, and if there's hypocrisy, if there's just absolute wrong teachings and horrible doctrines, we want to make sure we... we Stand for what's right. Now, this is not about that. This is about you and how you live your life for God. What you do and what you don't do. It's very easy and it's not condemning. It's conviction, but it's very easy. And people always, you know, how do I know what I'm allowed to do as a Christian? Well, you want to ask the person who's giving the rules. And the rules for you and for me come from God. They come from the spirit of truth. He guides us. He leads us into all truth. God does, right? Not man to a man, not woman to woman. God does. God should be what gives you the convictions of how to live, of how you're supposed to operate that actually strengthens you in your call. And not all of us are called the same, so your requirements are going to be a little bit different. Not everyone's going to go to the same place with God. And so if you look at the, the kingdom of God as uh, an army, as having all these different roles in an army. Okay, so it's a it's a pretty good, the Bible describes as an army of God. So we can use this in this term to make sense. And I'm not going to use military positions, but we're just going to say maybe somebody in that army is a warrior that goes out front. Well, they're going to train different than the cook. And yes, an army needs a cook. We need food. We have to feed the troops. We got to stay healthy. Uh, and the army will also have a scout. And so, you know, there's so many more positions, but, you know, just those three positions, they're going to be trained different, have different requirements and have things that they just simply can't do and things they can do. We have to find them between God and ourselves. Now, people say, what about the big ones? What about the big don't do's? Well, here's what I say about the big don't do's. The big don't do's that all of you are probably thinking of, well, I know someone or this and that. First of all, we don't know outside of what people say they believe that they really believe it. Let me explain that. When someone says I'm a Christian, we can't say any more than maybe look at their fruit or actually take them for their word that they're a Christian. We don't know. We can look at their life and say, well, it may not line up because they're living like this, but they say they're a Christian. At the same time, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what God's doing with them. If you'd have met Peter denying Jesus three times, you would have said there's no way he believes in God because he, he flat out said, I don't, I don't know who he is. So by the confession of his mouth, it would have been like, well, obviously, he doesn't want to believe it or not believe or even act like he knows who God is. But we know Peter did. He was going through something. And doubting Thomas. I mean, you know, I'm not going to believe you unless I see the, the holes. I mean, that's, you know, that's just a bold statement of I don't know if you're real. But it's where he was at the time. 
we can't take someone's life and snapshot, uh, you know, snapshot of it, and look at you know a time frozen picture where we meet them in their journey. You don't know everything before, and unless you hang out with them for a you know a longer amount of time, you don't really know where they're going. It's very easy to judge someone in just a snap now, right where they're at right now. And we all go through things. Moses went through things, right? Great things and disobedient things. I mean, if you're going to, uh, David, if, if you're going to just snap these, shout their life, right? When people mess up, then yeah, I mean, you're going to make a judgment and say, well, you know, they're messing up on the things we all should know not to do. Well, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, And it's always easier to look at someone else than is yourself. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because let's go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Well, that's strong, right? And the measure you measure, it will be measured to you. In other words, if you're going to hold someone to a standard of ABC, you're going to be held to ABC. If you're going to hold someone to ABCDE, you're going to be, I mean, whatever measure and manner, like how critical you get, you're going to have that same judgment on you. And the problem with judgment is, and we're going to read it in James here, we, we don't have the power to really have anything come from that judgment. We can condemn people. We can line our words up with the attacks of the enemy. I mean, we can make people feel horrible. We can ruin their day. We can do all that. But we really, in our power as humans, we can't make someone something because we judged them. You can't make someone quit anything. You can't make someone stop doing or get someone who's uh, addicted or someone who's got an attitude or someone who's anger or whatever it is. Like your, your judgment of that to that person, you're not going to change them. Only the Holy Spirit can change a person because it's got to come from the inside out. We're not whitewashed walls. We're not clean the outside of the cup and still dirty on the inside. We get clean on the inside and it manifests on the outside. The thing with that is though, you know, as people grow and mature, are things that God deals with us tend to go from external, everyone can see it, to more of an internal, nobody can see it. And so once we get rid of all the externals, there's a very, you know, it's sad, but there's a very immature group of Christians who will look at if the externals are gone, you must be doing okay inside or living right. That doesn't mean anything. Your heart can still have an attitude. Your conscience can still be seared. You can have anger in you. There's so many, you can have jealousies and strife. There's so much stuff you can have on the inside no one can see. Compared to if you have an addiction or uh, if you're doing stuff on the outside, everybody can just look at it and say, well, duh, you know, common sense of eyesight. I can see that. But that's not where real growth happens. That's where growth starts. God cleans up the inside, which manifests on the outside. But that inside, you know, you live your whole life growing with God. It's not like a one-time thing. The spirit of truth guides you and leads you and convicts you in all truth. All truth takes a lifetime. I don't know if we get in a lifetime, but it takes a long, long time. For what judgment you judge, right? So why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that's in your own eye? Strong words again. You have a, a log hanging out of your eye, and they have a speck in their eye, and you use the log in your eye, you know, to hit them in the head when you swing your head or run across it to get to them. And, you know, you're, you're doing all this for a speck. We need to worry about ourselves. Jesus is saying, we need to worry about our self. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, right? First take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Strong words, yes. Do not give holy. Uh, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine, 
Like I said, trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You know, so we've got to learn how to handle ourselves better, especially as brothers and sisters. We want to help people grow, but we don't have the power to make people do anything. What we do have is what's in us, the Holy Spirit. We can we can give that through the laying on of hands with prayer. You know, we know that we can just uh, say, hey, silver and gold, I don't have any, right? But what I have, I give to you, the Spirit of God, the truth of God. And once that Holy Spirit's giving, we've got to trust the Holy Spirit in guiding and leading people into what they're supposed to do. It's not complicated. We don't need to browbeat people for the rest of their life to stop doing. We don't have a sin problem. We have a born again problem. We don't have, I don't know what to do problem. We have a Holy Spirit. We can't hear him problem because we're not being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're having a form of godliness, but denying the power. The power of the gospel is more just an external signs, wonders, healing, deliverance. It's it's also in the heart of the person that's carrying it. It's the it's a transformation of the old you to the new you. Should you as a Christian start looking and acting different? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely you should. But what does that mean? What what does that mean to look different as a Christian? It means that your conviction should be steadfast in you, not into man. So let me explain it. In my life, there's nothing any of you are going to tell me to do that's going to convict me more than what God has already convicted me of. And until God convicts me of it, I'm, I'm not saying this in an arrogance or a prideful manner. I'm not going to change because I can't. I, I can't change without God. So you could tell me, Jason, you need to do this. I mean, thank you. But without God's power, obviously, I can't. That's why I know I need a Savior for one of the many reasons I know I need him. I can't do this. So you telling me isn't going to make me be able to do it. So should we preach what not to do? Yes and no. There's some things that we definitely should not do. We should not entertain the occult. We should not entertain doctrine of demons. We should not entertain things that are contrary to the character of Christ. In other words, we should love one another. We should be kind. Uh, we should be thoughtful. We should put others first. You know, normal Christian, biblical, uh, 101 Christianity. When it comes to the big stuff, should you smoke? Should you drink? Uh, should you uh, do this? Should you do that? You know, listen, we all have an opinion about what is right and wrong. We all have an opinion about drinking. Every place has an opinion about drinking. Almost every place has an opinion about smoking. Uh, there's some churches that have smoking clubs. Some churches you can't smoke at all. Uh, some you can drink wine. Some you can't drink wine. Some you can drink wine and beer, but not you know whiskey or not the beer, just the wine. Or you know everyone's got a thing, and that's the problem with it. A lot of those things were given to us uh, by men who or women who got in a position of leadership, and in their own insecurities or in their own failures. In other words, they don't want triggers. They projected onto the congregation what was uh, something they need to stop doing. Now, not all times that bad, but if you switch churches and all of a sudden you went from where you can't drink to where you can drink or vice versa or smoke or not smoke, if your convictions change depending on who you're listening to or who's talking to you in church or who's preaching, I mean, then you don't have a conviction. You have, you're listening to a man or a woman. You, you're God of your morals of right and wrong are a man or a woman. And we know biblically our morals are from God. Our right and wrongs are from the Holy Spirit who guides us in all truth. You say, yeah, but Jesus, I know, but the Holy Spirit said, I will lead you 
in all truth, bringing to remembrance everything Jesus said. He said he will not talk on his own initiative, only what he sees Jesus doing, right? And Jesus the Father. So we know that being led by the Holy Spirit means you're living a Father-led life. You're absolutely living the characteristics and the nature of God to the best of your ability, to the degree in which he can pour onto you in your understanding. In other words, he's not going to suppress your maturity and drown you with truth. That's condemnation's kind of a loophole into us is trying to make us feel super spiritual uh, by putting requirements on you that God has not put on you. Now, saying all this, you always have to get to the other side of it. There's two sides to this. There's the natural God convicts us of how to live, how to talk, how to walk, how to do all these things as a Christian. Find them with God. Please, please, please find them with God. Find them. I personally believe, we teach here at PFFM, uh, that you shouldn't be owned by anything. So you should not be owned by a cigarette. You should not be owned by drinking. You should not be owned by TV. You should not be owned by food. You should not be owned by video games. You should not be owned by uh, anything. Doesn't matter what it is, if it owns you, you shouldn't be owned. So if you can't stop doing it, if you can't live without it, if you have to have it, it's wrong. Only one Lord of your life, and that is Jesus Christ. No other Lords of your life. Just one, Jesus Christ. That's it. So the only thing that should own you is that. If you can't turn the TV off, then you have a problem. Any more than if you can't put uh, the food down, you have a problem. Any more than if you can't get out of bed. Any more than if you can't stop smoking. If you can't stop drinking. You'll say, well, uh, where does that end? It doesn't end. It's everywhere. It shouldn't be owned by anything. Anything. Nothing should own you. Does that mean you shouldn't be able to do things? Listen, that's between you and God. And I say it to you because in James, let's go there real quick. In James, you know, the only person who can judge you is God. It's the only person that you're going to stand next to is God. The only person that you're going to have to account to what you did or did not do is God, not not me, not your pastor, not uh, your, you know, teachers or whatever. You're only God. And so in James chapter 4, verse 11, do not slander one another, brothers. He who slanders a brother or judges his brother slanders the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. You don't want to be a judge of the law, right? Don't slander one another. Just leave each other alone. Unless, again, the heresies of bad false teachers, false doctrine, and stuff like that. Yeah, we got to make sure we get ahead of that because we don't want that stuff to get out there and pollute people's ears and bad teaching to ruin people's lives. Plus, we don't want doctrines of demons coming across pulpits. Not a good thing. In verse 12, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you judging your neighbor? But who are you to judge your neighbor? Like, who are you who judge your neighbor? And what what are we who judge our neighbors? Like, what are we going to do? What is your neighbor or, you know, put it in perspective, your friend, your pastor, whatever, what are they going to do to you by judging you? Spiritually, I'm saying, what are they going to do? They don't have a phone line to God saying, God, get them because I'm judging them. No one can tell God what to do. God judges fairly. God judges evenly. God is just, right? And so we stand before God, not anyone else. We don't stand before anyone else and have them tell us. It's not going before God and saying they're going up to Jesus saying, well, listen, I told Jason and he wouldn't listen to me. So you better put the double judgment on him. It doesn't work that way. 
It's between you and God. If God's convicting you, all right, and you don't listen, then yeah, you gotta you have an issue with God. If God's convicting you and, and you're growing, great. That's the idea. You want to grow with God. That's the whole point of it. You say, well, what if I don't hear from God at all? Like, what if I can't hear what God's telling me to do? Again, we have a born-again problem in this. In, in my opinion, in the culture of Christianity right now, we have a born-again problem. All we're ever taught is all the stuff, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. And we make God out to be this horrible, nasty, mean person up there because a lot of us, you know, all of us have been through something. And because we've been through something, we take our experiences, our weaknesses, our triggers, the things we've been convicted of. It's like saying none of you can cut your hair because Samson can't. But that's not true. Only Samson couldn't cut his hair. You you can cut your hair, right? He didn't tell you not to. And what happens is this God just becomes very strict. And sometimes parents use God to raise their kids instead of them raising their kids. And what I mean by that is God's going to be mad at you. God's going to get you. You know, God sees everything you do. Oh, you know, well, in this house, we wouldn't mind, but God doesn't. Don't use God as your scapegoat if you raise your kids. Own yourself as a parent and say, as a Christian parent, these core values are in me. And I'm going to raise you in the way that I believe is right. You know, you and your, your wife, just raise you and your husband, whoever, raise them in the way you believe is right. That's what you do. But you don't have to blame God and make your kids scared or mad at God like he's the one you're doing this for. No, you take responsibility that God's blessed you with children and raise your children. Don't make God the bad guy because your kids will grow up being mad at God uh, because you just don't want your kids to be upset with you. Well, you know, raising parents sometimes... I mean, raising parents, raising kids. Sometimes they get upset with their parents. That's part of raising a child, just like God raising us. Sometimes we get mad at God. And if you have a problem with God and I'm not saying it's a healthy thing, but it does happen from time to time. You, you have an issue with God. It's healthier to have an issue with God than it is to have with a pastor or an apostle or a prophet or evangelist or a teacher, because they, they can't fix what God's convicting you of. They, they can't call God and say, Hey, ease up, you know? Uh, you know, they, they want to be in ministry, but you're trying to work on a heart condition of their attitude. You know, hey, it's really getting to them. Ease up. Let's, no, no one has that power. That's between God and you. But let's not mistakenly put it where we shouldn't put it. Let's put it solely in the only hands of the only person that can change us, the only person who can actually judge us that makes a difference, and the only person that can actually give you the, the power, the authority, the, the victory in overcoming it anyway. Like, what good is it for your neighbor to tell you, I feel like you should stop doing that? They don't have the power to reach in you and take your wants away or change your heart. It's great to know what not to do, but I'm pretty confident we know what not to do. Uh, we don't have a what not to do problem. We have a we don't know what to do problem. We have a, a very strong we don't know what to do problem in Christianity, because we don't teach the what to do is we're so stuck on what not to do. Let's not focus on the not to do's so much. Let's focus on what to do. The what to do. Get a relationship with the Holy Spirit that you know him so well, you're talking back and forth, and he is leading you and guiding you in all truth, and you're growing and maturing because of him. That's the first thing you should do. Do that. Get that. What about everything else? He will work it out. He'll work out the stuff as you grow with him. In fact, he'll help you grow. He'll give you the motivation to grow. He'll give you the want to grow. He'll give you the desire to grow. But he'll also give you the power and the ability to grow. So we really need that. 
let's not just browbeat each other with what not to do without having the, the power. It's like telling someone, here's what you ought to do. Well, if you don't have a solution, your ought to do doesn't do a whole lot, does it? We need people to have the answer. And the only person that has the answer to how to overcome your struggles is God, period. Can you get counsel? Absolutely. Can you get other people who've been through it, like what helped them? Absolutely. But ultimately, no one's name is Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit. They're the only person that should have the power in your life to bring conviction into you. You should not have your head held down in shame. You should not feel guilty. You should not be watching what you do if so-and-so walked around. Unless I'm going to tell you, if you have to stop doing what you're doing, on a, you know what I mean, not in the privacy of your intimate relation with your spouse. I mean, in a general sense of living, if you have to stop what you're doing because someone comes around, that's not healthy. You, you shouldn't fear any man or woman that much. Your reverence should be to God. And if, if people are going to judge you, people are going to judge you no matter what you do. It's just the way people are, unfortunately. Uh, so you can be living perfect and somebody will judge you for that. We don't live our life to make men and women happy. We live our life to make God happy. And that's really what we want to be concerned about. How do we live a godly life? Well, the Holy Spirit has to guide and direct you. Second thing, you got to find out what your call is. You got to find out uh, where God is leading you because there are specific do's and don'ts per calling. Now, uh, we're not going to get into all of them tonight, but this is important. If you have a gift on your life, there will be things that the Lord will instruct you not to do and to do different than other people. One, I mean, we talked about like Samson, don't cut your hair. There are certain things that people uh, find with God to closely get an intimacy about your gifting that you really need to learn by God. We talked about earlier with the army, the different positions. And so we want to make sure you know what your call is and you make two lists in your life. You, you make the list of conviction as you're growing as a man or woman of God. And then you want the list of specific things to your calling that you're asking God for and looking for direction and going forward in that. And so how do you bring all this together and say, what about the church and what about all that? Well, turn with me and we'll look at one last verse here in 1 Corinthians 5. And Paul's here and he's writing to the church. And it's very interesting I want you to, to read this with me. We'll read it in, in uh, this translation and a different one. It makes a little bit easier wording. But 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. In verse 10. I did not at all mean with the sexual immoral people of this world. Listen, listen. Or with the greedy or swindlers or with the idolaters. For then you would have to go out of the world. In other words... If you weren't going to associate with people who needed God, you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with any so-called brother, you know, Christians, if he is a sexually immoral person or greedy or idolater or rivaler or drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with them. Right? For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Are you not to judge those who are within the church? And... This verse 13, but those who are outside, God will judge. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. And this is where a lot of people, we want to go to NLT now, but this is where a lot of people say this is where we're supposed to judge each other. Well, yes and no, because this is a judgment a little bit different than what I'm talking about in the personal convictions of growth. This is, if we're allowing in our church, 
in NLT in verse 11. People that indulge in sexual sin, or they're greedy, they worship idols, they're abusive, they're drunkards, they cheat people. We should not put them in a position in church. We should not put them in a position over people because we are supposed to already have been through the process where God is convicting us and growing us. Right? And he's saying, verse 12, it is not my responsibility to judge outsiders, but I certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Why? Because we are told that the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, changes us. It changes us from the inside out. And this is where people get so confused and get upset and they get angry at each other. And they say, well, you're supposed to be acting different and you're supposed to be doing this. Yes, yes, and yes, we're supposed to act different and be different, not the world and not our mindset on the flesh, but of the spirit. I Yes, agree with you. But that doesn't happen from judging each other and yelling at each other and just being hard on each other. It comes from giving what we have and what we know works. God, we, we've got to impart the necessity in all of our lives inside the church walls. Now, I'm not talking about evangelism here for me. I'm talking about inside the church walls. The necessity of relationship. The necessity of the Holy Spirit. The necessity of reading the word, of praying, of fasting, of growth. So many services are just all the don't, don't, don'ts, but you leave with the, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to do. We shouldn't have this problem that we're hearing here in scripture in our church because we're in love with God. We're growing. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have people going through it as they're changing. That's part of growth. But ultimately, our goal is to know and the evidence to an unbelieving world. Now, why is that important? Why would anybody who's struggling want to come out and hang out with us if we don't have victory either? See, people, the, the difference between a lot of how you were taught and the actual, to me, the truth of what all this is about, not everything in the whole Bible, about what we're talking about, is that when you have somebody struggling in a sexual sin or greedy or worship idols or abusive or drunkard or cheats people, they're coming into the church, and if they find the same thing in the church, and we're telling them how powerful God is, and we're not to tell we're the head, and victory is in ours through Christ Jesus, and I can do all things, and by his stripes, and no weapon formed against me, and we're quoting scripture, and he comes at me one way, runs seven different directions, and no weapon formed, and Psalms 91, I mean, we're, you know, we're just powerhouse and worship and praying and uh, running around and, and you know speaking in tongues and just being powerful and then this is inside the church it doesn't make it look like people are failing it makes it look like what we're telling people god can do doesn't work why would the drunkard come in if we're drunk in the church why would the person struggling with sexual come in if we're struggling in the church this isn't where we're holding ourselves to a standard of we're above everyone. No, no, no. We're holding ourselves to a standard that God is real. You got, you, it's bigger than us. It's about God. That God is real. That the Holy Spirit, when we read in John, he convicts of truth. He speaks in your life. and he like It's real. Like It really happens. I used to be, and the Holy Spirit took. I used to, and man, I'm going through something now, but the Holy Spirit's working on me. With an excitement of, it's coming. It's coming. I'm not like a depression, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to live without it. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is horrible. With an excitement of it's coming. Like I'm 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 growing. So then when a church, you know, is in that position, the outside world looks at it and goes, 
So you guys sleep all night long. You you guys got overcome with like you beat anxieties and you know depression can actually be defeated and addictions can be defeated and you mean eating addictions can be broken and and I can still eat and not eat myself to four or five hundred pounds unhealthy and sexual lust can be broken but I can still be married and be intimate with my spouse and not fall back into it even though I I can't just refrain from it and I can be you're like yes that's what the power of God that's the power of God. It's so important uh, that we let the Lord do his work in us so the non-believing world can say, wow, you you guys have something that works. And we're like, yeah, it's it's Jesus. It's amazing. And you say, did everything in your life go on yet? No, not yet, but I'm a work in progress, right? God's still working on me. I'm, I'm striving towards that high call and I hope to get there before I go home. And then a person would say to you, how do you get it? How do you get it? What happens? How do you get it? And you say, oh, well, first of all, you just don't. No, see, that doesn't make any sense because they know that, right? Here's what you would say. Got to be born again. Got to have a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Got to have the power of God in you. You need to read your word. Let it just feed in your soul. You need to pray and fast and, and break down the flesh and find the joy of the Lord and overcome with his anointing and his power and his provision and his mercy and his grace and his love that endures forever. And man, this thing will well up in you. And next thing you know, your desires will fall away. Your passions will fall away. You'll have new loves and new this and new that. Be like an old you. And you'll be so excited. Like, all right, calm down. Calm down. I just I just started today. And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm just so excited for what God can do. That's how we should be. Because we're living it. That's how we should be. That's how the, the church should just be on fire for the truth and the power of God. Not, well, just stop. Stop doing this. You're a horrible person. Can't believe you come in here like that. Who do you think you are? Come on, people. That that doesn't help, right? And what it does, it puts a plank in our eye. And we're just looking at the little speck in theirs. I mean, our heart should be to really show the power of God, not the power of man, not the power of willpower, not the power of speech and talk you through it and motivational guys. And no, no, no. We've got something greater than all that, don't we? We've got the power of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that breakthrough, chain-breaking anointing that removes every obstacle, flattens every mountain, puts a bridge across every stream, makes all the muddy ground dry, right? I mean, brings the seeds up out of the soil, fertilizes the fruit, makes the sun shine, makes you smile, the day is great, the birds are singing. You know what I mean? We've got God. I mean, we have the power that rose Christ from the dead. We need to focus on learning how to do that, how to focus in that, not living by all these weird rules that men put on us and people put on no no your name my name is not holy spirit we need the holy spirit and the world outside the church needs to see the holy spirit working in the church that we are not a people who say we've got it figured out we know what we're doing no no we're people who say it's all god it's all god everything i've ever gained in my life anything i've ever stopped in my life has never been from someone yelling at me or browbeating me. It's been the gentle whisper and the soft nudging of the Holy Spirit as he worked it out through me. And he did. And he still does. I believe he'll be doing it from now to the day I go home. And I believe he'll do it for you as well. So I want to stop. Don't want to go too long. Hope it encouraged you and gave you some tools you can start working with. If you're constantly focused on the negative, man, stop. Get a, a grip on you know the, the switching over of that reality in your life and start learning what to do. If you don't have a good home ministry or church, get a hold of us. We just planted a victory 
Global Church, and we're really excited about that. If you're not in the area, you can always join us online, but you can uh, contact PFM. We'll get together with you if you want us to come speak somewhere, if you want myself to come out, get a hold of us as well. But, you know, we want to focus on what to do, right? The what to do, how to grow in God, how to read the Word, how to fast, how to pray, how to build your spirit for strength and power, and how to overcome through what Jesus has done and just live your life for God, pursue your call, learn the things that you need for that, learn how to get victory in your everyday, and I'm telling you, your life will change. It will absolutely change, but just don't let anyone become the Holy Spirit to you. Don't put on the requirements of men and women on you, and don't be condemned, and don't live in that junk. Just rebuke that in Jesus' name. Live your life for God. Smile. Be happy, right? Happy people operate more in their gifts than sad, depressed people. Trust me. Be happy with God, and just move forward. And when God wants to take things from you, he will. Am I telling you to be lazy? And No, keep giving it to God in prayer, but don't dwell on it and don't ruin your whole life about what you can't overcome. We have a Savior for a reason, because we need one. We need one. I need one. You need one. We all need one. That's why Jesus came. We needed a Savior. There's nothing wrong with that. And he's empowered us with the Holy Spirit to give us victory in those things. Listen, let your conscience be clear tonight. Let God work it out. Let God take it from you. You focus on growing in intimacy with him, and I guarantee your life will change. Your gift will come alive. Uh, you know, whatever he's called you to will just start really ramping up and anointing and manifestation as you start depending on him completely. So take this a little bit with you. No one's name's the Holy Spirit but him. He's the only Holy Spirit. He's the only one that should be guiding and directing you in those innermost parts of what you should or shouldn't be doing in your life. Let God be the one to guide you. Amen? Amen. I want to pray with you, uh, and then we'll, we'll close this up. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct people, that you would lead them, that, Father, they wouldn't be condemned. they just live in conviction of you as you grow them. Now, Father, we would stop judging each other and being so hard on each other that we would just, you know, just worry about ourselves. And we would just take time to really thank you for what you've already done in our life or what you've already given us victory for. And to thank you by faith for the victories you're going to give us. So maybe we're not as free as we want to be today. Maybe we got things that, God, we need you to take. But you will. And we want to thank you ahead of time for that. And in the process, we want to keep serving you and getting closer and closer and closer to you in Jesus' name. Well, I'm T. Jason Price, Power for Freedom Ministries. Again, uh, thank you for watching the video. Share it, uh, comment it, send it around. If you want to know more about the ministry, go to the website. You can partner with us. Uh, and uh, if you want to have us out, have a service at your place, just contact us through the website, or you can even call the phone number or text it. I believe it's on the screen. If not, we'll put it in the comments, but I believe it's there. Uh, and uh, we just want to bless you and thank you for all your support, continuous support, and all that you've done and enabled the ministry through your help to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless. Have a good evening. We'll see you uh, next time here on Spirit Life. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this episode of PFFM Spirit Life Teachings. If you have any questions or comments, need prayer, or just want to reach out, please call or text 717-537-PFFM or email us at info at God bless.